This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parshas Tzitzaveh. Parshas Tzitzaveh, this is, uh, we're going to talk about the Mizbeach HaKtoris. The Asisa Mizbeach Miktar HaKtoris, it says at the end of the Parsha, Perek Lamed Pasigalov. It says, Atzei Shitim Taselso, you should make it out of acacia wood. You should have this Mizbeach HaKtoris. So the Mizbeach HaKtoris was really made with gold overlaid everywhere inside, and it was placed inside the Kodesh, near the menorah and the Shulchan. So the menorah and the Shulchan in front of the Aron Kodesh over there, the Mizbech HaKtoros was the first thing you saw when you went in. Obviously, they would burn the incense on it. It was made of gold itself. That was going on. And the smell, the smell of the Kotoros would permeate the entire area. It smelled like the Kotoros. In fact, it went all throughout all of Yerushalayim. The clear question is why we're waiting until now to talk about this. Parshas Truma is where we talk about all the Kalim of the Beis HaMikdash. Parshas Titzave is dealing with the clothing of the Kohen Gadol and the consecration of the Kohen Gadol and the Mizbeach, etc., and everything like that. It doesn't make any sense to mention this Kli all of a sudden in the middle of nowhere as if it's the first time anything has happened. So what's the shot that all of a sudden we're going to bring it up over here at the very, very end as if we, we had no idea this, this Kli existed in the first place? So the Chizkuni says, the reason why we're mentioning it last and we're only mentioning at the very end is because we wanted to tell you about the menorah. We wanted to tell you about the shochan. We wanted to tell you about the Aron Kodesh and everything about that. And we wanted to show you that this Mizbeach is a little bit different. This Mizbeach is about the Ketoris. It's not about everything else that's there. And that's why it's not put at the end of Parshish Truma, right? It's really put over here to get to the end of everything. And now we're going to put it in. But that's still strange. Why wouldn't you put it at the end of Parshish Truma? We'll talk about the Menorah. We'll talk about the Shochan. And then we'll get to the Mizbeach Ketoris. The reasoning of the Chizkuni is beyond me. And I'm not so sure I fully understand it. There comes the Svorna. The Sforno says the reason why is because its purpose is different. Now, we have to look at this, and I, I, I mean this honestly. We think of the Mishkan, and we're just, we're automatically, like, we're in, it's ingrained in our heads, probably from when we were little kids, that the Mishkan just all makes sense. That the Aron Kodesh is Torah, and that the Menorah is Chachma, and that the Shulchan is Parnasa. Everything's there, and everything's right there. But it really, it takes a little bit of work to understand why. Why do we need these Kalim? We really need this? HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't do this in any other way? What does this mean? The whole, the whole Mishkan. What is it doing? What are we having here? And here's the pshat. Says this forno, there are two reasons to have anything inside the Mishkan. He says, either number one, to bring down the Shechina. And I know that's not an easy answer, but the concept of the same way we say, and we bring down the Shechina, bringing down HaKadosh Baruch Hu, down to our Kalim, to where we are, that's number one. One reason that we're bringing down the Shechina, and many of the Kalim of the base Mikdash had that reasoning, to bring down the Shechina and allow HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, so to speak, rest himself upon us, bring his Kedusha down to us. But there's a second reason. It's also Marek Vodo to show his honor and the way you're supposed to honor a king. And that's the reason of almost all the korbanos. The korbanos are there, says the Sforno, in order for us to understand and for us to connect, to say, I see, this is how I treat a king. This is how we should do it. Obviously, the king doesn't need our gifts. You go to the president of the United States and you give him a nice little gift. Come on, he doesn't need your gift. He's richer than all of us combined. He has more money than all of us. He has more power than every. You don't give a gift for the reason that you're, you're, you want to give something over. HaKadosh Baruch doesn't need our gifts. The purpose of a korban is for us to show kavod. I can't show it in any other way. So I'm showing it through bringing a korban as if, as if I'm giving a gift over to HaKadosh Baruch even though it means absolutely nothing. That's the concept of all the kalim and the concept of the korbanos. The Mizbech HaKtores, says the Sforno, is totally different. That's not the reason for the Mizbech HaKtores. The Mizbech HaKtores was there, simply put, 
to honor him as he comes close to us, to show us when he comes close, what it's like to be close to a king. Not as a gift, not as a gift, not to bring him down, but once he's there, it should be different. The smell, and smell is something extremely powerful. We know when we walk into a room, when we smell something disgusting, you're disgusted. You don't want to walk in. You're, you're, you, want to, you want to throw up when something is that bad, when the smell is that bad. And then when there's something that smells so good, you just want to be, you want to be there. You want to sit inside that, that good smelling shop that's right there because of all the spices that are around and everything there. This is the concept. The concept is bring him this, not only when you're giving the gift and when you're allowing a Baruch to be there, there should be a smell, something special that makes us want to stay. That's the concept of something that's going to bring us together. Says the Ramban, the Ketoros was so powerful that you're bringing on the Mizbeach. It stopped plagues. It happened by Korach. After all, the people complained about Korach. They said, you killed Korach. You killed all of his men, they said to Moshe and, Moshe and Aaron. How could you have killed them? At that point, they were all going to die. There was going to be a massive plague, and everyone was going to die. And at that moment, Aaron ran and put the Ketoros in the middle of the people, in the midst of the people, while this plague is going on and thousands of people were dying. He put this, this stuff down and was able to stop the plague from going through. The Ketoros was something so powerful, it stopped anything bad that happens. And that's what we mean by showing God honor as he approaches us. And I'm going to give a muscle. Based on the Ramban, I think this makes a little bit bit of sense. The king is enraged. The king is absolutely enraged. He's so angry. Something had happened. There was nothing, nothing. He couldn't believe something that's so insolent that something like this happened. And he's going through the palace, seeing people, firing them, condemning them to death, doing everything. He's just so angry. He can't deal with anything. Everybody is in trouble. Everybody as he's walking through. And then all of a sudden, the cook realizes what's going on. He says, I can stop this. He runs into the kitchen and puts up a soup. A soup like no one else has ever seen. A soup that, he, that the king is used to, that the king is going to enjoy. And he goes out and he puts together, that, puts together that, that soup. And the smell starts wafting through the entire palace. And everybody in the palace smells it. And the king smells it. And he remembers good times. And he remembers, you know what? I know I'm angry right now. But I want, you know what? I think, I feel like I can forget about this. And that smell, just the smell of the soup, is so unbelievable to him, he says, I'm going to forget about everything else. So to speak, and I know this is not the greatest muscle, the greatest nimshal, because you're dealing with a Kaddish Baruch as opposed to a regular king of flesh and blood. King of flesh and blood who has no real reason to get angry and no real reason to placate his anger. I get it, and this is a little bit different. But the concept, the muscle, and the nimshal over here is the concept is this smell is a source of rachamim. Where a Kaddish Baruch who put it in the world, we see it with ourselves. That when smell is there, we feel a little bit about, better about everything. And a Kaddish Baruch who does it for himself as well. And you can imagine if the opposite happens. Let's say the cook abuses that soup, pours in something else. The smell that the king is used to smelling and making himself feel better all of a sudden is something that causes him rage. He says, how could this be? If you use the Ketoros incorrectly, he wants to destroy and for that reason, says Ramban, the Ketoros also can be Midas Hadin. Another of you go in, they bring the Ketoros at a time that they shouldn't have brought it, they brought it in a way that it shouldn't have been done, and they're killed for it. What is For bringing the Ketoros? You get killed for bringing the Ketoros in the wrong way? The answer is yes. A hundred percent yes. A hundred times over yes. That's exactly what happens. That's what happens when a person misuses and abuses something that's such a kavod to the king if you use it in the wrong way. We said this before. In the king's palace, you don't act like a fool. 
If you're in the king's palace, you better be dressed your best. You better act your best. That's the way you do it. You want to be outside the palace, even if you're the king's honor guard. If you do something stupid, okay, you did something stupid. But in the king's palace right in front of him, you can't. You have to act with a different way. That's the concept of what the Ketorah stands for. The Rabbeinu Bechaya says, the Rambam brings up a reason for the Ketorah. Rambam says, you know why they have the Ketorah? You know why the smell of the Ketorah is there? The Rambam, in Mori Nebuchim, Chela Gimel, Parak Mem Hey, says the Ketorah was there to remove the horrible smell of all of the dead meat, the animals that were there, all the smell. Have you ever smelled burning birds? Have you ever smelled a burnt bird? If you have, you're sick. If you haven't, you're good. But either way, it smells horrible. It's a horrid smell. It's a smell that you can't get rid of. Feathers that are burning. Skin. When you're skinning an animal and the animals that the skin is sitting out there, it smells. The Ketoros was there, says the Rambam, to get rid of those horrible smells. Says Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, it can't be. It can't be. Simply put, there'd be no reason. It's a weak reason to give. Because why would you be high of curries for it, for making your own Ketoros? Why would you be high of curries for doing it on your own and doing what you wanted to do with the Ketoros? It can't be. That's the real shot. It must be the Ketoros, something special, something that's completely different. Now, here's the cool thing about the Ketoros. Says the Al-Gruveni, if you smelled the Ketoros, just smelled it, not made it, smelled the Ketoros, Three things would happen to him. Number one, you would no longer smell bad. You would have no body odor. You would not need deodorant. The Ketoris would stick itself to you, and you would smell good for the rest of your life. That's number one. I don't know if that happened to every person in Kalei Maybe you have to have a certain amount of kavana when doing it, but that's number one. Number two, you would have no Yetzir Haro pushing you to do something that's wrong. Your Yitzhahara would no longer be pushing you in the back. You wouldn't have that Yitzhahara there. Would that be no, bad? I'm sorry? Would that be bad? Because no more schar? Yeah. Yeah, but still you're doing the will of Hashem. So I think that sort of and overcomes it. But you're right. You lose your schar. You lose a lot of schar. But it's good free will. It's like on Shabbos. You know, you get yourself to the point where you're not turning off a light on Shabbos. It's like, I don't want to turn off a light on Shabbos. You're beyond that free will. So I think it's like this as well. Where the Ketoris brings you to the point where I don't want to do that. I don't want to eat something trait. I don't want to break Shabbos. I don't want. That's what the Ketoris did to the person. I think that's how we understand it. And number three, all you want to do is the will of Hashem. You feel like you want to learn, like you want to dive, and you feel connected in a certain way. Anybody who watched the Ketoris being brought, if you were able to watch the Ketoris being brought by the coin, now remember that would be inside the Kodesh. It would be difficult to see, but there were openings. You say this is all done on Yom Kippur? No, 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 no. The Ketoris was done every day, every morning and every evening. So they could watch through the Kodesh, especially by the Mishkan, and watch the person doing it. If you watched the Ketoris being done, no magic would ever affect you. No magic or shadim would have an effect on you. You'd be able to knock everything down and you will be saved from any din that may affect you in Gehenna. So when you go to Gehenna, you could say, I saw the Ketoris being brought and that saved you. That automatically was almost like a saving over here. The reason we call it a Mizbeach, Amizbeach, the word zevach is to shecht. But over here, you're not shechting anything. You're bringing the Ketoris. You're burning the Ketoris. The reason why it's called Amizbeach is because it knocks down the Satan. So to speak, it shechts the Satan. Doesn't allow him to make accusations and destroy. It knocks down the demons, the mazikin, that are out there in the world. That's what happens. They run away when they smell the Ketoris. According to this idea, I think I have another reason why the Ketoris is different from everything else. Why is the Ketoris separate? So we just mentioned the Ramban and the Sforno, their ideas. I think this is an obvious idea. Every other Kli in the base of Mikdash was made to bring down Kedusha. It was there to allow Kedusha to be Chal. That was the idea. And to bring more and more Kedusha. The purpose of the Mizbeach HaKetoris was to push away evil. So there's the, the, all the Kalim of Parshas Truma that are dealing with bringing down Shefa, bringing down good stuff and allowing great stuff to be there. And then 
there's the Mizbech HaKtores, which is not like that. The Mizbech HaKtores is about sacrificing, literally shechting your Yitzhahara, knocking out the Tumah, which is a different issue altogether and therefore completely separate. I feel that that's the shot why the Mizbech HaKtores is there. I haven't seen it anywhere, but I haven't looked up enough, so that's not a, that's not a great answer. So the yeah. How did anybody sin who was there by the base of Mikdash? Yeah. Improper thoughts when they were watching it happen. Thinking like, oh, that's just another good smell. That's the reason why. If you thought that this is the Miktores, if you thought in the right way, there was no way you could do anything wrong. I think that's the idea behind it. No, no, it's not a question of holding. It's more a question of drush. So this is a medrash, right? So the question of how to darshan that. So that, that's the idea behind it. The Kliyakr says it's likely this Mizbeach is being used in the same way that the Mizbeach outside is being used. Remember, this is the Mizbeach HaKtores inside where you bring the Ktores. There is a larger Mizbeach in the courtyard of the Chatzar. By the Mishkan, it was small. When they got to Eretz Yisrael, they made it much, much bigger. By the times of the base of Mikdash, it was huge. 32 by 32 Amos. 32 by 32 Amos, give or take, we'll go with regular, whatever, is 50 by 50 feet. It is a huge Mizbeach. That's where they brought all the animals and they brought it up. The Mizbeach, the Mizbeach Ola, the Mizbeach where they brought the Korbanos in the Mishkan was not that big. And when they came there, it got a little bit bigger, but it wasn't that huge. In the base of Mikdash, it was absolutely huge. So over here, says the Kliyakr, this Mizbeach on the inside is similar to the Mizbeach on the outside. The Ramban says, you know why you bring a Korban? You know why you're supposed to bring a Korban? We talked about this in the past. The purpose of bringing a Korban is to watch yourself being sacrificed. That the purpose of the Korban is you see the animal and you think of your inner thoughts. You're like an animal when you sin. You're like an animal. And instead of (laughs) you being shechted, instead of you being killed, the animal is being killed. Instead of your body being burned on the Mizbeach, your animal is being burned in the Mizbeach. Instead of everything, everything that's happening is a kapara for you. It's as if this should happen to you and you're watching yourself, your own animalistic tendencies, your nature being destroyed on top of this Mizbeach itself. That's the concept of the Mizbeach Ola. This Mizbeach, the Mizbeach HaKtores, has the same purpose, but a little bit different. That was all dealing with the body. Your body is the animal's body but there's still a spiritual malady that you have. Something happened on the inside. You sinned. There's a ruchniyastika sin here. There's a ruchniyastika chait. How do you get rid of your ruchniyastika chait? What do you do over here? Here's the pshat. Your neshama needs a fixing, a tikkun. That's the ketoros. The ketoros is a smoke that goes straight up to Shemayim. This ketoros represents your neshama, which flies up to the heavens itself. That's the reason why we have that Ketoros going up. It's as if it's flying your soul back up to where it belongs and everything's going to be okay. Says Rav Sternbach, it's even, it's even better because smell represents the Neshama. The Kabar asks in Brachos, Daf Memhei, how do we know that you're supposed to make a bracha on smell? How do we know? Where do you see this concept of making a bracha on smell? And the Gemara answers, Kol HaNeshama Tahalelka. Every Neshama Tahalelka. What is something that the Neshama benefits from but not your body? Smell. Smell is not something that your body benefits from. Science, I, I don't know how the scientists look at smell nowadays. I can't say that it's not a... I'm sure there is some type of physical pleasure that your body gets, some endorphins that go off in your brain when you smell something that's, that, that's absolutely tremendous. But regardless, it's not a real physical thing where you're not gaining from it. Food, we understand how that's a physical gain, right? We get that. Smell. How do you get anything out of smell? How do you benefit from smell? It's your neshama. Call neshama talakal. So therefore, this is representing that, that Taurus, that's the smell, represents your neshama being brought back up and everything's all good. So that's the concept of that, yeah. Would you be allowed to smell 
meet him up together because he can't get her nothing in? So, it's a good question. What you're asking is like, okay, so can you go by McDonald's and smell a a cheeseburger? Would you be allowed to do that? Okay, that's the question that Yechiel's asking over here. The answer is yes, because that's not milk and meat deal raisa. The reason why is because in order for milk and meat to be from the Torah, you need the meat to be kosher meat, shechted properly meat, together with milk. That's not that. Obviously, it's still lost to me to Rabbanon. There's no question whatsoever. Possibly, there's another deal rice of eating it. Maybe, according to Teres Canaan. But getting Hana from it, we would matter you to smell it. I wouldn't tell you to smell it, though. It's probably not the best idea to go outside of a McDonald's and start smelling it. But regardless, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be there. And then the crown on top represents the reward that we get when we do that tikkun properly, when we bring back our neshamas properly and everything goes through. Through this, Kliyakar says, Tom Vidas, now you understand something great. If you go to Skoki Yeshiva, right on the Bima, right on the, you know, the Amud, I should say, where the Chazan is, there's a little Parsha Sektoros. It's Parsha Sektoros. There is a Minug that people have of saying Parsha Sektoros from a cloth every single day. Lots of businessmen get that cloth. They'll buy the cloth for, you know, whatever, a good, you know, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is, depending on the nice, how nice it is and whatever it is. And they'll read it out of the cloth every morning. Why? They say it's a skula to making money. A nice school of making money. You want to make a little bit of extra money? You read Parsha Sektoris. Says Rib Sternbach. I don't understand. Why is Parsha Sektoris the school to be able to make a little bit more money? What's shot behind it? And he says, it makes sense now. According to this Kliyakr, it makes a lot of sense. If the whole thing of the Ketoris, the whole purpose of the Ketoris is to make your neshama go up. It's a, forget about your body. This is about your neshama getting improved. Your neshama's getting better. If that's what it's all about, well then it makes sense you'll be rewarded physically in your gashmias. You'll be rewarded in a way that you wouldn't expect. You're not worrying about your body. HaKadosh Baruch will take care of your body. That's the concept. He'll take care of you. He'll make sure you have what you need. That's the idea of what's going to happen over here. Why you get it to the Tamadas. Oh, it is something. If anybody's looking to make a little bit of an extra buck and you're trying to make something, not a bad idea to say in the morning, you don't have a cloth? Okay, don't do it out of a cloth. Don't do it out of a cloth. Do it out of the sitter itself. Say ketores, parsha ketores, before you dive into chakras in the morning. Say parsha ketores after you finish. Right, right after you finish, you do korbanos right afterward. Say that right there in the beginning and the end. Who knows? Maybe that's a great school for you. That's something to be out there. You can't lose. Nothing you can lose from it. You say it twice, right in the morning, right in the evening. You have the, the cloth, you only have to say it before davening. That's a really good thing. But that's good. If you can do it, it would be absolutely awesome. If you can do it, it's a really, really good thing. Says the Rush, according to Ramban, there are some other amazing things about the Ketoros. Not only does it stop plagues, but it's the crowning service of Yom Kippur. We all know on Yom Kippur, that's what the Kohen Gadol did. Eventually took the pan, right? Question how he did it with the right hand, the left hand, or whatever it is, because he can't use his left. Either way, but he took the, took the, the pan filled with the Ketoros, and he brought it into the Kodesh HaKadoshim and burned it, either burned it outside, inside, we got Sadukim involved over here, put it down in front of the Aron Kodesh, allowed the smoke to fill up the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he would give his tefillah, and then he'd walk out to the rest of the people. When they saw the smoke going through the little windows of the Mishkan or the base of Mikdash, when they saw that that smoke was coming out, they knew everything was going to be okay. This was like the crowning achievement of the Kohen Gadol. When he finished this, then everything was all good. That was the beauty of what they saw over here. And that's why in Tehillim Samach Vav, as well as the Nisim, that when they came in Nisan and Parshat Baaloscha, they all brought the Ketoros. That's the, that's the concept over here. David Melech himself wished he could bring the Ketoros. He was a Yehuda. Shev Yehuda, not a Levi. So he couldn't do it. But that's the concept. In the future, maybe. I'm not saying this is a positive. There is a Medrash that says we will always bring the Ketoros. Korbanos, maybe. 
Maybe there's a kasha whether we bring korbanos. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, anybody who tells you that there are not going to be any korbanos in the future base of Mikdash, in the third base of Mikdash, because of pita or something like that, you can punch them in the face and call them an apikoros and send them off to you know where. Okay? I don't mind, I don't mind you doing that. Okay? But there is a medrash that says the ketores will continue lasid lavo, and it seems to indicate that the korbanos will not. But again, if anybody tells you that, Moshe, I'm going to tell you right now. Again, if they say it to you, you punch them in the face first, and you ask questions later. There's no question about that, okay? Yeah, I'm allowing you to just pound them into the ground. But, but, the ketores will definitely last forever. And for that reason, the word ketores stands for kedusha, tahara, rachamim, takana. That's what the Ketorah stands for, is that everything can be done in the best possible way. Now, there's more. Not only that, but the Ketorah also brings you simcha and happiness. If a person is not feeling so... Uh, this is a hard week for me. This is a really hard week for me. Lots of crazy things happened this week. Baruch Hashem, can't really complain. The Ketorah is something in which it can make you misameach, bring you a little bit of simcha. It's actually a Pasuk and Mishle. Chav Zayin Tes says, Uktores Yismach Leiv. Ketores makes your heart happy. Pashipshad, without going into anything. Forget about everything we just learned about the Ketores. Why does the Ketores make you happy? Good smells make you happy. When you smell something that smells good, you, go, you feel happy. You walk into a house where there's a chalent cooking on Shabbos morning, and they open it up just a little bit, and the smell goes wafting through the house, and you walk into the house, you smell that chalent. If it's a good chalent, it depends if you're a good guest. But if you walk inside that house, then all of a sudden, there's a simcha. You feel better. You feel better. As opposed to you walk in and there's that burnt smell. You're like, oh man, that's the worst. The worst. I, exactly. You really want more. Once you start smelling it, it's the smell that's there. It's Yismael Leib and Pashup Shat that makes a lot of sense. So the idea is like this. Maybe, maybe there's people out there, says the Meashiloach, who think to themselves, eh, what am I doing anyway? HaKadosh Baruch who knows everything. He knows what I'm going to do. He knows what I'm going to end up being. He knows the future anyway. So there's no choice that I'm making that's really my own. Everything is God, and I'm just going through the motions like a puppet. I'm not getting anything at all. Maybe a person might say that. Maybe a person will think that to himself. For this reason, we go through this Mizbeach, says the Meashiloach, after we go through the big day Kuna Gedola, to show us there's a process to getting to the point, to understanding where you stand in this world. There's Yira and Ava, and eventually you'll understand your, your Bechira is your own. Yes, HaKadosh Baruch knows, but your Bechira is your own. There's a process to understanding this, and the idea is that at the very end, maybe you'll get to the point where you get this Ketorah, says the Meashiloch, where you understand how the Ratzon of Hashem works, and how you gain that Simcha Sachaim, that Simcha of life, to be able to get there for you. That's the idea behind it. Kedusha's Levi talks about this as well. Just still look at that up. That, that's something for you over here. Another reason why this Mizbeach was brought separately by the Chidah, the Korban Mincha, and the Meshachachma, they say the following. There's Halacha. If the Shulchan is not there, what was put on the Shulchan? What did they put on the Shulchan? Lod. Lod. upon him, right? If the Shulchan's not there, the Lechem upon him was not brought. There are no Lechem upon him. If for whatever reason, let's say the Shulchan became Tameh, and there's no other Shulchan available, there is no Lechem upon him. They did not put the Lechem upon him on the ground. They wouldn't do it. If the menorah was gone, if there'd be no menorah, for whatever reason, the menorah was not available, then there's no way you would put the neros on the ground. There would just be no neros. There'd be no neros. They wouldn't be there. If there was no Aron Kodesh, you don't just put the luchos on the ground. The luchos wouldn't be there. If the Aron's not there, then the luchos aren't there. If there's no Mizbeach HaOla outside, no big Mizbeach, you don't bring a korban on the ground. You don't do that. If the base of Mikdash is there, but the Mizbeach's not there, you don't bring it. You don't bring the korbanos whatsoever. 
without clothes, the coin was not allowed to serve. Nobody was allowed to serve. And here's the difference. Based on Rav's opinion in Zvachim Nuntes, if the Mizbeach Haktores is not there, if that golden Mizbeach with wood on the inside, if that golden Mizbeach is not there, you still bring the Ketores on the ground. It's not the Mizbeach that allows the Ketores to be there. The Ketores must be there. And the Mizbeach is just a hechitimtza to burn the Ketores. Mm. But if it's not there, you can bring it anyway. And that's why it's separate. All the other kalim, even the big dekuna, are all necessary for the service. If you're missing any of them, you're missing the avoda. You can't do what they're there for without them. But the Mizbeach HaKtoros, you can bring the Ketoros without the Mizbeach. And there's a poshit proof to this. Rav's opinion is so obvious. On Yom Kippur, where do they bring the Ketoros? In the Kodesh HaKedoshim, in front of the Aaron, there's no Mizbeach. So clearly the Ketoros does not require the Mizbeach HaKtoros. It could exist without. You don't need it. Says all of these, the Meshachachma, the Chidah, the Korb Mincha, they all say this idea, and that's why this Kli is separate, taken away from everything else. The Maril Diskin says it a little bit differently. According to them, it sounds like you don't even need the Mizbeach HaKtoros in the first place. You didn't even need to bring it up. If you wouldn't have told me about the Mizbeach HaKtoros, you'd still have the Ketoros, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't have something there. Says the, the, the Maril Diskin, it's a little bit different. You need the Mizbeach HaKtoros, but only to make the place holy. You take the Mizbeach HaKtoros, you put it down right there, now you can bring the Ketoros there, even if you would take the Mizbeach HaKtoros away. You can bring it right there. The Mizbeach HaKtoros makes an area holy, and then you can take it away and put it somewhere else. Every time they traveled in the Mishkan, they took the Mizbeach HaKtoros, and they put it down wherever it was supposed to go, the Mizbeach HaZov, and then, in theory, if you took it away, that wouldn't be, then you could take it away and everything's there, the ground is now holy. But... You didn't need it. The concept is you didn't need it. You needed it to start, and then you didn't need it afterward. Jake, what's up? Exactly the same. Yeah, it's the exact same Ketoros. There's no difference in the Ketoros from one to the other, and that's why it's going to be the same thing. And that's the shot. And that's why it's called Mizbeach Miktar Ketoros. The Mizbeach that allowed you to burn the Ketoros. Not Lehaktir Ketoros. Not to burn the Ketoros on it. You don't need to burn the Ketoros on it. It was there to allow the Ketoros to be brought. Not necessarily for it to be brought on it. That's the concept behind it. Partis Yosef suggests another reason, another idea, that the Ram, Ramban says these partials are mostly in order, and they were told to make a Mishkan before the Egel Azov. This order of the Mishkan was made before the Egel Azov, according to this opinion of the Ramban, that everything's in order itself. Maybe at that time, the Mizbeach HaKtoros was able to be brought, uh, I'm sorry, the Ketoros was able to be brought without a Mizbeach. And only after the Egel Azov was the Mizbeach used. Now this is an interesting part of Joseph, because the Mizbeach HaKtoros is still before the Egel Azov. So it's a little bit weird because you would think it would be in orders and these backwards would be way afterward in Parshish Kisisa toward the very end. But regardless, that's the idea that he says over here. Okay, a couple other things. Reb Moshe Feinstein says before the Kohanim, the firstborns are the ones that served, right? How many people are at Bechor's right now? Bechor? That's not bad. It's really amazing, right? You go through numbers when it comes to Bechor's, you really have a ton of guys. I mean, we probably have 50% Bechor's here. here. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. You don't find that very often. It's amazing. You know, in the Midbor, well, we won't really talk about it this year, but in parts about Midbor, one out of every 83 people was a Bechor. One out of every 83 people. Think about that number. One out of 83, we have one half of what we have here are Bechor's. It's just, the numbers are just unbelievable. So here's the shot. Before the Kwanah, the firstborns were the ones that served. They never had the mitzvah to bring the Ketoros. Ketoros was always meant to be for Kohanim. 
there was going to be Bechors, and there was also meant to be, there was going to be Kohanim. Kohanim were going to be separate. After all, remember when Moshe Rabbeinu was told that he wasn't, he was going to go back to Mitzrayim, and he kept saying, no, send Aaron, send Aaron. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I will send Aaron. Aaron's going to be the Kohen Gadol. You've lost the Kuna Gedola, he said to Moshe Rabbeinu. The Pshat is, is that there always was going to be a Kuna. Even if the Bechoros were the ones bringing the Korbanos, there would be Kohanim. What would the Kohanim do? Kohanim would do simple things. They'd bring the Ketoros. Says Moshe, that was always meant for them. They were meant to do this way. Now why? Because Bechoros were not meant to be teachers. Bechoros, firstborn, were never meant to be the teachers. The teachers were always going to come from Shevet Levi. Shevet Levi was going to be filled with teachers. Now what, how does the Ketoros compare? I'm sorry? So then what's the firstborn's job? Firstborn would be workers. They would still be workers. They'd get a double portion and they'd work. They would do like everybody else. Levi were the teachers. They were the ones who were not allowed to work. They wouldn't get the chilek. They would be something separate to be able to do their thing in order to teach Kalah Yisrael. So the Levim would be connected to the Ketoros. What's the pshat over here? The Ketoros was used as a way of gauging how to teach. Sometimes you get close and sometimes you pull yourself back. That's the concept behind it. Meaning, the sense of smell that we have, says Ramosha, is to be able to get close to certain things, like smelling flowers or fruits, or to stay away from things, like rotting carcasses and putrid food. So too, when it comes to your learning, you have to know when you should learn with a certain person and when you shouldn't be learning with them at all. There are certain people that you can't learn with. You're gaining nothing by doing it, and they're losing because they're only using it as an axe to grind with. And that's scary sometimes. Both mitzvahs were put together in the beginning and the end in order to give to the Kohanim themselves. We even see this by Shmuel and Avi. We see that even though Shol HaMelech hated David HaMelech and was jealous of him, when he came to Shmuel, Shmuel was a lady, remember. As a teacher, he forgot about everything else and became a Navi along with Shmuel. Shol HaMelech, Hagam Shol Benavim is said in the Navi. Hagam Shol Benavim is even Shol HaNavi. Shmuel HaNavi had this ability to bring people close to him. Being people, people close. And so too when it comes to the Torahs. So there's two ways of doing this. Number one, you can look at a teacher and you can say who you should teach and who you shouldn't and the other way around as well. There's certain teachers that you have to get close to. Certain teachers you've got to stay as far away from. There's certain teachers that you cannot get too close to. And I'll give an example. Reb Meir and Acher. Everybody remembers Relisha ben Avuya and how he went off. But he still taught Reb Meir Torah. Reb Meir learned Torah from a person who was an Apikoris. A person who went off. And he still learned Torah from him. You have to know how to learn from such a person. The way Reb Meir described it is, you take the fruit and you throw out the shell. By us, by me, by me. I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't know if I would have that ability to be able to be strong enough to do it together. I, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. But that's what a person has to do in order to get there properly. He has to learn how to do that properly and do it in the right way. Then it's Siv says, we know, Ketoris is a kapara for Lashon Hara. When people speak Lashon Hara, and we're all guilty of this, a horrible sin between man and friend, his friend, the only kapara would be to do gemilus chesed. Act with chesed toward that friend. You messed over your friend by talking about him, by saying these things to him. Now you've got to work on that. Now you're going to act with extra chesed more than anything else. Just like every morning we say that chesed has perus in this world and the next. Right? Oh, help me, guys. I do say it. I promise. Once in a while. You know, once every week, usually. So either way, regardless, this line that we see over here, it's the same exact concept. 
when it comes to the Torah itself, that concept over here. The peros that are in this world, the idea is that the kapara that can be done through the Torah is the ability for us to have peros not only in this world and the next world, it's that chesed that allows you to do something different, that allows you to go through in a different way. That's how the Nesiv puts it, and it's a beautiful, beautiful piece over there. Tosefis Bracha says there's a Yaivitz who writes in his sitter that we say Pita Maktoris at the end of our davening. We said before it's a school of Parnassa. He says to end on a high note, to finish with something that smells nice and special, similar to having Mugmar at the end of a meal. I know we don't do this nowadays, but you know what they used to do at the end of a meal? First, they used to take oil, wipe their hands a little bit, good smell, and to wipe their hands, whatever. They would do my Machronim, and then they would take some spices and they would burn it so that it would smell good throughout the entire room. I would guess, because these people smelled absolutely horrible, and that there was a lot of passing of gas during meals, and it probably smelled like garbage by the end of the meal. Also, there weren't, wasn't any refrigeration. And I, I, I know, I realize that I'm being a little bit... Whatever. If we all went back in time in 100, 150 years ago, I think we would just die of the smell. Pretty sure that every single person here, that would be the first thing that would hit you more than anything else. Right? The smell would absolutely be horrible. Says the Tzavis Bracha, you end a meal by burning mugmar, by having these spices and burning it throughout the room so that everything smells nice. So too, at the end of the parsha of building and getting through everything, bringing in the Kohanim, etc., we make a Mizbeach of Ketoras to be able to bring that smell to Shemaim. And that's the reason why I separate it, put it at the very, very end. Our last thing is from the Shach. The Shach of the Torah says it was purposely put last in these Be'achach Torahs because it connects everything together and makes everything considered like one, which is why it can be used to stop plagues. Remember, Achtos is the greatest factor, the greatest bracha that we could have is Klal Yisrael. Bring everyone together to be able to stop something. When you smell something good, you forget everything else and it allows you to be happy and satisfied. Like we said before, that's why we mention after everything else. Show everything leads up to this great smell. You have to build yourself up to this. You build yourself up. It's not like all of a sudden there's a Mizbech, a Torah, and everything's perfectly fine, and then we're all of a sudden able to get together. Sometimes it takes a process. You don't like someone? Okay, I also don't like someone. You know what you got to do? You got to work on it little by little. You write a letter to them, and then you erase it. Then you write another letter to them, and then you erase that one as well. You write a third letter to him, that one you for sure have to erase. That's going to be the most evil one. The fourth letter you can send to that guy. The fourth letter, you can write it up, and you can actually feel like, okay, I'm writing this in the proper fashion. I'm writing this. I know that this guy wronged me. I know that I haven't been the nicest guy to him. I'm trying to work on that relationship between us. I'm going to do it. The idea is that it takes it to process. You go through process truma, we go through all the kalim, etc. We go through all the big day kunagdola, and at the end of the day, when everything's finished, when you're able to do everything, then you can bring the Mizbech Torahs. That's when it smells good. That's the concept, the ikr behind everything. Really, it's all about trying to bring that reach and ichoach, that good smell that a Kurdish Baruch needs, showing what the Mizbech is all about. And that's the concept of the Torahs being at the very end. To show we can all come together and bring it together. And I don't mean this in a sappy way. I mean like building ourselves up slowly but surely to be the people that we want to be, doing the things that we want to do. That's the real purpose of the Torahs. So we asked why the Torahs is put last. We gave seven different reasons for it. Those seven reasons, I think each one has a tremendous lesson that we can learn in our daily lives to try to take it for ourselves. All right.